Would it be possible to pull up the house lights? I definitely want to honor uh, what it's like to look online, but I can't see anybody. And I just want to see people. Because you can see me, and I look good this morning. I'm not going to lie. And um, I did not speak at the table conference. I'm so full of God. Y'all are in trouble. I sneezed this morning. Instead of saying Gesundheit, I said John 6. <laughs> John 6. I want to introduce a new friend of mine, Luca. Where are you at? Where's Luca? Yeah, come here, Luca. Come up here. Can I see a microphone? Let's give Luca a hand this morning. This, uh, when I met Luca this morning, after I said what I said about just staff becoming friendlier and meeting people and being more outgoing, things like that, I met Luca and he started talking and I was like, you're not from around here. And while I was talking to Luca, uh, the father reminded me that um, one of the things I prophesied at the table conference is that um, the international presence of people from all over the world, it would begin to manifest. Well, Luca's from France. He's French and he's skinny, so I'm already a little bit triggered on the stage right now. Um, so what, in the, what are you doing in America? What, what are you doing here? Uh, right now I'm here for being mechanic in NASCAR. And uh, the real reason why I'm here, it's like because God called me to be here. Last year I won a, an internship at Drugged Racing. And it was like something on Facebook. I just have to put motivation letter and all that stuff. And I was like, why not? And then... I pray God, and I was like, if I have to win that, just do it and let me do everything. So I won that, and I came in America. The first pe people I met in my job at Drug Racing was the pastor. I was like, okay, God, that comes from you. <laughs> <laughs> so I was here, and I was like, I had to restart everything from zero because I was racing driver in France. I know well my job. I know a lot of people in France. I can have a racing team, but God send me here and I have to restart everything from zero so it's not easy every day but I pray God and it's starting to be better and better so I, keep, I put my face on God and I'm really happy to be here I have a great welcome even here so thank you very much let's give Luke a hand this morning awesome thank you. father showed me a picture and he showed some other people at the table conference of us having the flags of the nations all over our literal property. Some, some others of you saw that too. Well, I'm really, I don't need this. I'm really excited <laughs> to be here. I haven't preached in so long. I, for, I forgot how to. My name is Chad Norris. I'm the lead pastor here at Bridgeway. And you're in, you're in, you're in trouble uh, because I have 31 minutes. And, and uh, I just, golly, I'm excited. But but before we jump in to my Picasso sermon, I have been traveling a lot lately. And do you guys love to people watch? Um, typically, women people watch better than men. They're way more observant. Uh, who in here goes to the mall just to people watch? Anybody? I just I love to people watch. The best place in the world to people watch is an airport. People are strange. <laughs> and uh, I just want to get some things off my chest this morning. And I want to go over uh, seven types of people that I'm very close to getting into a physical altercation with, okay? <laughs> this has been building up in me for a while. 
and I decided at LaGuardia in New York City, it's time for me to talk about it. Sometimes you just need to get things off your chest. First type of person that I would like to get to a physical altercation with is people who shush me at libraries. <laughs> Do we have any librarians in this house? We have one. I have so much honor and respect for libraries because when you're raising children and you go to a place where you're not allowed to talk, I don't know who started that in the world or even in America. But recently traveling, going into a library, I got shushed. And it did something to me emotionally. Um, I'm going to throw a picture up here of what it felt like in my innards. Um, when you're a 46-year-old leader, dad of three and husband of one, and you get shushed by another adult, it'll trigger you. I don't care how much John 15, 1 through 5, you got going on in your life. And when you get shushed in the library, even the shush... It's oxymoronic because it's not a quiet shush. You can hear that shush in Gaffney. Shh. I have my schnoodle preacher, when Ruthie and Jack make it mad, he just goes like that. That's what it feels like. Second type person that I'm very close to getting into a physical altercation with, gold medallion award-winning Delta ticket passengers. Do you know... Do you know how to, um, you ever notice that either vegans or people who are in the CrossFit, you don't have to ever have to ask them because you're going to know before you have an opportunity to speak to them, specifically with CrossFit, and it's the same way. Like, can't you just, you don't have to put it on your bag, on your luggage bag, that you're in the top one percentile of the earth. Um, and when they say, now boarding, all elite status, Delta, gold, award-winning 1972 Olympics, Munich. All you peasant, worthless humans sit in the back. The other day, Ruthie said, Daddy, what are we? I'm like, we're like zone nine. If you were one of those people, I'd judge you. Third type person I'm very close to getting into an altercation with, people who shop at Whole Foods and Fresh Produce Dance. Being in New York City the last couple of days, it's... If you're too good, if you have to buy your food in an outdoor produce stand, it just really triggers me. How dare you go to Bilo? Do you honestly think all the organic food you're buying is really organic? It's not. I've seen those documentaries. You think Whole Foods is organic? <laughs> nope. You're probably eating pesticides on everything you think is organic. I just don't want to hear about it, that you go to Whole Foods or Fresh Produce stands. There's a Fresh Produce stand around here, and it's like when people shop there, you stand taller. It's like I, I feel better than you. I think I even have a quote. Did I quote myself on this? You are not better than me if you shop at Whole Foods. <laughs> the next type of person that I'm very close to scrapping with, skinny people. I tell you what, New York City is a skinny city. I feel like I'm in cotton candy land back in the south when I get back here compared to Manhattan. I, I don't know if it's because you walk everywhere or what, but I, I couldn't live in Manhattan. I would stick out like a sore thumb. Number five, Adam Childress. All right. If you are not at the table conference, is Adam here this morning? Adam, hand, what do you even call this table right here? 
he whittled it himself. I have never felt more insecure in my lifetime. You need to go watch the clip of Adam. It's, it's really fascinating. But since then, I'm like, what am I good at compared to that? Like, if you come look at this table, he cut down a tree like Abraham Lincoln and his dad out here, drug it to his shop, and then whittled it while he talked to the father for 100 hours. Number six, people who look down upon Starbucks. In New York City, got a couple of texts this week. Oh, don't get your coffee at Starbucks. Go to that place on 100th and 9th that's the size of this table because the beans are... Adam Shield has probably whittled the beans or something and sent them up there. If you are too good for Starbucks, you've got to stop. I want to know who that is in this church. Who is it? Because I know you're in here. You do. You need a spanking if you're too good for Starbucks. Oh, I can't go to Starbucks. Which leads me to another type person. Um, I think this is the one coming up. The next type person. People who only listen to music who nobody has ever heard of. Oh, I love the band, The Bricks. The who? Oh, no, I hate Coldplay and Eagles and Elvis Presley and Michael Jackson. But I love that band called Dirt. As, as I've been traveling, my, when I have conversations with it, because I'm, I'm extroverted, and so when people are listening to music, I'll say, hey, what are you listening to? And they'll tell me, and they say, who do you listen to? And I'll say, hey, I like Coldplay and Jimmy Buffett. And they're like, ugh, Coldplay, Jimmy Buffett. My inner Ric Flair comes out when, <laughs> when I talk. You know who you are in here. So I have a quote coming up right here, and this is the quote. If you do not listen to Chicago, Coldplay, Eagles, and Pat Benatar, you need a spanking. I think we might have one more, one more type of person that I'm close to just getting into it with. Or is that it? Maybe that's it. Praise God, that's it. Got that off my chest. <laughs> People are weird. I think that's why country music is so popular. These basically write songs about how weird people are. Hmm. Well, I was in New York with Ruthie. I surprised her. I spend a lot of time with my two boys at their athletic events. And the father just gave me an idea to surprise Ruthie because I spend so much time taking the other two places and so I surprised her, and her cousin was waiting on her with my brother at the, at the hotel when we got up there, and she just couldn't believe it. She was in shock. And one of, we just did a quick trip, and one of the things we did is we went to the, the memorial at Ground Zero, um, the actual museum. It hasn't been open long. And it's one of the most literal, moving things I have ever done in my life. Who has been to the not the, not the site, but the actual museum that just opened. Can you raise your hand? Yeah, not many, because I don't think it's been open that long. Was it not just, um, I, I really feel cheap talking about it, because you, you, you just got to go. And while I was there, the Holy Spirit gave me a very long download that I just want to preach this morning for about 25 minutes. I, I have said from this stage many times that 
the most dangerous thing in the world is a misconception. Holy Spirit, I welcome you right now to take over my tongue, take over my mind, take over. I don't want one word to just uh, be shallow or not from you. I, pr- I pray that you would give keys to unlock people's, literally, their destinies this morning. You know, Jesus said, he never said, truth will set you free. He, he said, you shall know it, and then it will set you free. If you don't know truth, you're actually stuck. Many people, even in this room, the biggest enemy in your life is not Satan or his cohorts. It's, it's you. It's your own thinking. And so when you replace a misconception with a proper conception, you can actually have your life changed quickly. Dare I say, even in a moment. You see, a lot of people are waiting for the Holy Spirit to move, not realizing he moved at Calvary, and the game changed at Calvary. So now, instead of sitting around waiting on an encounter, what you need to be praying every single day is this. Father, please help me think the way you think. Because when you begin to think the way that the Father thinks, uh, it actually trumps an encounter. Many people that have encounters go back to stinking thinking. And if your thinking doesn't line up with the Father, I don't care if angels manifest in your room every single day. Until you think the way the Father thinks, you will never walk in power. You will be stuck in ruts. You will blame your spouse, your dad, your mom, your future, your past, your friend. You will be a victim your entire life, even in the kingdom of God, until you learn to think the way the Father thinks. Don't, don't ever allow yourself to get to a place where you blame anyone for what you don't have in God. Well, you don't understand. You don't understand my marriage. No, you don't understand the Father. Because when you get so high, elevated on the mountain, you can't even think like paupers anymore. It's not what's going on in your life right now that's keeping you in a stuck place. I promise. It's your thinking. It's your inability to think the way the Father thinks. Some people say, well, let's, uh, let's do enough intercession to keep uh, the enemy out of any jurisdiction that I were to step into. Well, Judas was in the upper room with Jesus. If you knew that there was a roaring lion that resides inside of you, you probably wouldn't be scared of a little bitty maggot. You really wouldn't. You see, but so many of you have a lion inside of you, but you've never literally learned how to open the cage and let him out to whatever's coming against you. And the longer you wait on someone else to do that for you, you're just wasting time. I am convinced, he's reminding me right now, that so many of God's kids have to have their eyes wiped clean from the tears in heaven because we get there and realize what we didn't operate in while we were here. You, some of you are one thought away from stepping into a, a, a literal, different, elevated life with God, it's not going to come through an encounter. It's going to come through you choosing a different thought pattern. Misconception is the most dangerous thing in the world. In, in the museum, I want to put a literal quote from Osama bin Laden that preceded the attacks of 9-11, even, even two decades. Listen to what he said. Sins committed by the Americans are a clear declaration of war on God. Kill the Americans and their allies. This is what the Holy Spirit showed me. He said, Chad, there's nothing in the world more powerful than a proper conception. I watched a 15-minute video, President Bush, Condoleezza Rice, Tony Blair, Prime Minister of England. Some of you watched it, that you've, you've been in there. President Bush said the word ideology four times. Four times in a 15-minute video. Now watch this. 
Can we put up the definition of the word ideology? I want you to think about this now. A system of ideas or ideals, especially one that forms the basis of an economic or political theory and a policy. Can we say ideas together? Let's say it. Ideas. Do you know that the men who flew the planes into the Twin Towers literally created a system of thinking in their minds that they thought they were literally serving God? Take it back to the, to the baseline. How did the Holocaust start? It started with a pattern of thinking that was so incorrect. Look at the atrocities from one man's thinking that turned into a literal system that cost millions of people their lives. Go back to how that started. President Bush said that he said the, the word ideology. You know, we talk about a lot of things around here. But the thing that I probably talk about the most is, and I ask this question, what is the literal first word that ever came out of the mouth of Jesus in the Gospels when he began his ministry? Most people don't know. You probably ought to know. The first word that comes out of his mouth is in Matthew 4, 17. And this is what he said, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And he says that first word, repent. Repent. Repent in Greek means metanoia. It means change the way that you think. Somehow, some way, a system of evil people developed a thought pattern that would end to the greatest strike in our country's history. It started with a thought pattern. You know, Schwartz, he blessed me last week because he said, you guys need a pastor that's going to push you and not just coddle a lot. And that's just the way that I'm wired. And so for the next 16 minutes and 31 seconds, I want to push you a little bit. Because many of you are waiting to be set free when you actually get set free at Calvary. And you're, si- listen, hang on, listen, 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 listen. Your system of thinking is actually demonic. And so the religious spirit, what he will do and his cohorts will do, will enter your thinking and spin it as spiritual. And the Father in heaven is saying, Lord Jesus, my son, your intercession needs to shift for my kids that they would get out of their own prisons of thinking. I'm not talking about to the person out there. I'm not even talking about something so dramatic as the Holocaust or even um, 9-11. I'm talking about what thought patterns are you currently walking in that are locking you up and the enemy has very little to do with. Father asked me one time, he said, why do you think you spend so little time in warfare intercession? And I've learned when he asked me a question, it's because I, I don't know. And he says, it's because you've grown to think like me. Therefore, your need for intercession against warfare is a lot less. Back in the old days, when I had stinking thinking, I didn't know who the father was. I thought he hated me. I battled every demon within 10 feet of me. But you start thinking the way the father thinks. And I'm, and I'm talking about on a high level to where you know when you walk into a room, the enemy's actually terrified of you. It, your life will change. Some of you in here are so frustrated because you can't connect with a certain person right now in your life that you really want to connect with. What if the Father's keeping you from connecting with that person because he actually wants to connect with you because he's actually trying to do brain surgery on you? Seriously. It's amazing. As a pastor, I'm just being honest with you. I, it's unbelievable how much victimhood is in the church. Well, I don't have that because of this and because of that. And we blame this and we blame that. It's got to be my spouse's fault. It's my kid's fault. It's my past fault. If you truly understand what happened at Calvary, 
that the spirit world, the angelic realm, because of who you now are in Christ and he lives in you, they literally see you as a superhero figure. They are in awe of who now resides in you, but what you don't know can actually kill you. Hosea 4, 6, my people die from lack of knowledge. You look at the root where there are knowledge and it's intimacy. A lack of intimacy with the Father is, is a death sentence because there's nothing really more odd than having the King of glory live in you, but you walk around like you're a pauper. It makes no sense to me. It makes absolutely no sense to me. But you see, in the English language, we have this idea of these words called verbs, and they're, it's all about action. And if you look at this passage in Philippians 4, 8, we, we, I think it's Philippians 4, 8, is that right? Yeah, look at this. Um, this is in the NAS, which is very close to the Greek. Um, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, good repute, there's any excellence in anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. That word dwell in Greek, it's never going to happen to you. It's an action that you must take to go towards those things that Paul lists. In other words, no one on this earth is responsible to do my thinking for me. Nobody. 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 I'm telling you, I'm just amazed at what I've learned over the years. I can have two people in front of me, two people in front of me that are both born again, filled with the Spirit of God. One acts as though he's just a complete victim. And the other one, even though that person has gone through a lot of hard times in his or her life, they rise above what the other person can't rise above. And, And there's really, there's no difference in anointing. The only difference in someone who is just walking in power is not that God just decided to touch them. They decided to actually investigate what really did happen at the resurrection. What did happen at the resurrection? You see, my hunger has nothing to do with uh, trying to please God to get him to love me. I'm past that. Not only does he love me, he likes me. We're really good friends. I talked to him a lot on that taking a bus tour at, uh, in New York City. I can't turn it off. Whoever I'm with, wherever I go, it's not even prophetic to me anymore. Somebody's going to get it. Somebody's getting it. Someone got it at the M&M store. That place, by the way, I don't know what heaven smells like, but it's got to smell a little bit like that. When there's so much chocolate that you're licking the air. Have y'all been in that place? I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. You can, you're just reaching out to, t- to taste it. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I, sorry, let's go back to being serious. You know, some of y'all need to laugh more. You'd enjoy God more. You don't want to be the type of person when you go into your intercession chapel, the father's like, oh no, please, no, 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 no. He told me that one time. He said some of his kids that come to pray, he's like, no, 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 no. Enters courts with thanksgiving and praise. The joy of the Lord's my strength. Someone said, be careful there, brother, because joy and happiness is not the same thing. And I'm like, oh, my heavens. Yep. You're, you, yeah, never mind. Sorry, Father. I'm in the flesh. Forgive me. Where am I at? What happened? All right. So if you look at a system of thinking, I just happened to, to buy this book before Putty Putman gave his epic uh, TED Talk. That's what I call it at the table conference. I bought it at an airport a couple weeks ago. Uh, and let's just take Luther. I'm not going to go through what Putty taught, but he's one of the fathers of the Protestant Reformation. He wasn't the only one. Guys like Zwingli and some of these other guys, they, they, it's just funny how they're probably like, what in heaven? They're going, what? 
I gave just as much as you did. I don't know why the spotlight was on just Luther, especially Zwingli. You guys never heard of these. They gave their lives for this, and Luther stumbled into it, didn't even know what he was doing. Now he's the father of the Protestant Reformation. Just get your award in heaven one day. They may not write a book about you, but I guarantee you there's fistfights in heaven between Luther, Zwingli, Calvin, some of these other guys. It's like some of these biblical heroes. I bet John's like, I get one book. And it's, it doesn't even have more than one chapter. Anyway, all right. This, all this was was a different way of thinking when he went um, to Wittenberg to nail the 95 Theses to the wall. Do you understand the Protestant Reformation can be traced back to one man saying, why are we thinking the way that we're thinking? You would not be in a room like this if not for this man and the team of people that changed the world. He, re- he literally changed the world. Okay, changed the world by what? Well, he would, because we say, I want to change the world. I think that, that, that God's kids have something inside of us that really want to change the world. Okay, so what, what, with what? Well, your personality is amazing. Really? Like, are we really going to build this move of God, what he's doing here off my personality, someone else's personality? Come on. Like, I know that megachurches can do that, but as soon as that personality leaves, the megachurch crumbles. Well, I, I got this long word. I'm going to tell the staff, teach the staff. It, it's what God's doing here is no different than what he's done through the ministry of Jesus. The first thing Jesus said was, change the way you think. Repent. Some of you think repent means just stop doing what you're doing and God won't hate you anymore. (laughs) It means change the way you think. Until you learn, you, you, not the person beside you, not your spouse, not your Sunday school teacher, and not your, your dad who's maybe even been dead for 10 years, who's in heaven, he's totally healed up now, and you're still bowing down to the ghost of pain and like, like, at some point, instead of just reading books about the ones that changed the world, why don't you just start changing your own world by thinking the way the Father thinks? But you don't understand. Oh, man, I'm telling you guys, I love you. I do. I love this place. But there's so much in, in God's family, there's so much victimhood thinking that the Father's like, I don't even know what I can do for you. When's the last time you woke up in the morning and you said this, though? I love that passage with the sons of Sceva because even the devil knew who uh, Paul was and who Jesus was. Wait a minute, what? Is it possible that they know who I am? You better believe it's possible. And they also know, the enemy knows when you don't know who you are. I was walking to a service one night and I said, Father, I just ask that you to stir them up with your presence. The Father said, you stir them up with your presence. Was it the Father's shadow that healed people or Peter's shadow? So Peter's scared of a slave girl. And then a couple passages later, people are getting healed in the shadow. What happened? Peter changed. You see, if you have an expectation that you need to be transformed over the next decade, that can happen, and that's awesome, and I love slow transformation. However, you can let yourself out of a prison today by refusing to believe lies over yourself anymore. Go read the book, Good to Great, by Jim Collins. There's not little, little fairies that come down from heaven and say, make Wells Fargo great make Bank of America kind of average. God doesn't say, hey, uh, you know, take someone like Joseph Pellegrino. You know, Joseph Pellegrino, why don't you just be a normal business owner and uh, you run your eggs up and I'll sort of kind of bless it. The only thing standing between Joseph Pellegrino and extreme wealth is Joseph Pellegrino. Because, you see, there's a lot of CEOs that limit God every single day of his or her life. You got to take the lid. You have to take the lid off of your life. And God's not going to come down and just beg you to do it. He sent his son to die for you, not just to get you to heaven, but to get heaven in you. But so many of God's kids don't think like heaven. They don't. 
I was the worst one in here, but that was 17 years ago. All I know is I was blind, now I see. And, and no one showed up to mentor me, didn't have a mentor. Some of you are just, you want a spiritual father and mentor so bad. Wendy and I didn't have anybody. I had the Holy Spirit though, and he's a helper and a teacher and a comforter. And I, I had 550 note cards. She'll tell you who I am in Christ. Four months later, I'm seeing blind eyes open. I started looking in the mirror instead of being ashamed. I'm like, I'm looking straight into the eyes of one of God's kids. I'm as clean as Jesus, and he likes me, and he loves me, and he has huge plans over my life. Some of you are waiting for something to happen in your future when it happened in your past. It happened before you were born. You come moping around. It's another day to be a victim of what I don't have. A victim, the king of glory resides in you. Well, I just go to a conference in Illinois, and I just want to sit there, and, and maybe the great man of God will give me a word. I went up to that conference. I said, Father, why am I here? He said, I'm going to get you to anoint the key speaker. I'm going to fly you and Wendy over there to England. I want you to go minister to the Vineyard Network. I said, that'd be awesome, except I hate flying. I hate flying. I can't stand it. And so anyway, what happened it's so many times in my past, what has happened is not the result of a sovereign move. It's the result of saying, I can't live at base camp anymore. I want to get so high on the mountain that I feel like I'm about to faint because I can barely breathe. And the only thing keeping me alive is his own nostrils. Listen, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. Look at me. Like, if God can use me, you say, well, God picked you. <sighs> yeah, but he's picked you too. And he's picked you to do great things. And some of you, if not most of you, are doing okay things. And it's not because God's holding out on you. Some people, many people, ooh, he said no, it's not some. Many people think they're in a desert of training. It's nothing but apathy and small thinking. Somebody at the table conference came up. I've known for a long time and said, hey, I want you to pray for so-and-so. They got something going on with their knee. And I had like a, um aggression come on me. I said, no, you pray for them. No, but you're the great man of God. <laughs> Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Do you not know that your temple of God and the spirit of God lives in you? The same power that raised King Jesus from the grave is in you. Why don't you understand for the first time in your life who you are? The only difference in a marketplace person who just starts killing it is they quit making any excuse of why they don't have what they have. And they wake up, they stir themselves in their own faith, they write their own note cards, they look into the mirror. I couldn't spell book. Could not spell book. I used to say, because God showed me something. He gave me a word and I hung on to it. And I would say, you're going to be a prolific author and your word's going to go all over the world. It's kind of embarrassing to say it first. Well, God's published two books of things that he stirred up in me. There's many more to come. What I'm trying to say is this. You're not doing great things for, for um, yourself. You're actually honoring the sacrifice at Calvary because, listen, heaven's expectations are for you to be great, not good. Yeah, but you just don't understand. No, you don't understand. Because your theology is something that you're just believing to go to heaven when you die. And somebody in here is going to say, you know what? I'm tired of that. I'm tired of waiting in the great by and by. I want to be great today. And here's what happens. You humble yourselves. You ask the Holy Spirit to literally retrain the way that you think. You find stuff in the written word. Go to Romans 12 too. You find truths in the written word and you hang on to them. Because this, this is how you're transformed. It's what Paul says. By the renewing of your mind. Who renews your mind? God cannot renew your mind. You renew your mind. 
if you can go another day without getting a prophetic word for someone that scares you and that person because it's so accurate, you will. Go another day without walking in healing ministry, you will. You will. Let it be done to you as you have believed 18 times in the gospel. You waddle in here in business and just another insecure day. How are you insecure? Your dad is Jehovah, the great I am. Here's what's great. I'm not preaching this trying to convince myself of stuff. I'll be honest. In the old days, there's a lot of times I preach stuff trying to convince myself it's true. I'm not going to lie. I'm sitting down there in worship this morning, tennis and singing the great I am. I'm like, yeah, the great I am is my dad. He's my, I, I'm, I, I'm your favorite kid. And you say, well, that's arrogant. We're all his favorite kids. But what I might know may be setting me free, and what you don't know is keeping you locked up. You're dying from a lack of knowledge. You tear through the scriptures not to even get his attention or anyone else's. It's, it's, it's this movie Matrix where the character in the Matrix, by the end of the movie, realizes, wait a minute, wait a minute, he should be scared of me? Well, he actually had that same ability in the beginning of the movie. I mean, honestly, it's kind of embarrassing to be in Christ 50 years and still be living as a spiritual orphan. Uh, in, the, in the shower this morning, someone gave me a word about swagger. In the shower this morning, uh, the father said, I want my kids at Bridgeway to start walking with a swagger. And then I looked on the Old Spice uh, on my soap, and it said Old Spice swagger. And then someone gave me a word about swagger. You see, a lot of people think, well, that's arrogance. Hmm. If you read the story of King David, there is, even with Elijah, go ahead and wet that altar, if you don't mind. Oh, how arrogant. Typically, ooh, typically people who are calling other people like that arrogant have it all in themselves, and they're actually insecure of what a fellow brother or sister carries. You want to be a giant killer? Surround yourself with people that think on a higher level than you do. Colossians 3, 1 through 3, set your heart and mind on things above. If your heart and mind have a hard time setting themselves on things above, then get around people who do that all the time, and you'll become that. But here's what happens. Here comes the devil, and he will get people to hang out with others that love small, tiny thinking, that get to the back corner of base camp, that love disunity and gossip and slander. Just get on up the mountain. And by the way, if no one comes with you, you got three friends anyway, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. get to a place where God's your literal best friend, Elohim, plural form of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And you say, well, that's just not fair. Well, no, it's not. But, you know, an idol is anything in my life that I'm finding my identity in other than the Father. It may be a lonely season for you because actually it's a great thing because you're going so high on the mountain, others can't come with you. You can get to such a place on the mountain where it's honestly... You have to build such friendship with God because so many people around you aren't thinking that way. I have tried to walk on water 10 times, uh, maybe more, and I've sunk every time. But what are you going to do when I do walk on water? Imagine coming to church one day, I'm out there dancing on that pond out there. And some of you are thinking, I would never even attempt that. That's your problem. Do you honestly want to be, the great I am is your dad. And you're living like he's the great I'm not. We're in the middle of a $5 million fundraising campaign right now. What you don't know is I'm connecting with people. I'm actually trying to raise about $32 million. Because the vision that God's given me for this place, the legacy campaign's only part one. And guess what? Here come the Eliabs. Here come the Eliabs. I've been surrounded by Eliabs since I've received a baptism of the Holy Spirit. The Eliabs will tell you what just... 
stop talking, it's too grandiose. And then here comes Dr. Sharon Billings that reads my entire vision journal, and I've never shared it with her, and she said, you're actually still thinking too small. And she gave literal clarity on the words. I'm like, whoa. Psalm 78, they limited the Holy One of Israel. I tell you what, man, there's a sweet presence of the Father right here. I would so rather lead something that didn't look successful in the eyes of the world, but surrounded by people who think as big as the Father thinks. Like, he props his foot on the thing that we brag about because we sent Armstrong to the moon. The Father, he props his foot up on it. He's your great I am. Some of you need to be reminded. It's the great I am. So why even have a thought in you to be good at anything? Don't be a good husband. Be a great husband. I'm going to get really practical. And by the way, I'm, um, I'm preaching tonight at Sunday service. I really want you to show up because I'm going to talk about how to steward um, a literal move of God. You have to maintain. You have to become the sacrifice. So I'm going to talk about what it looks like for us to become a sacrifice for you, what consecration is. Um, I just want to take about one minute to be really, really, really practical on how to get out of a rut in your thinking. You may even want to write these down. Um, Number one, I want you to start hanging out with giant killers. Hang out with them. And you say, well, I don't know any. Well, just instead of being a part of the problem, be a part of the solution, you become a giant killer and develop literary mentors that can get you there. Um, I have never met anyone. I got a word this morning for Lauren Link. Where you? At? I've never met a significant leader that's not a um, a reader. Oh man, um, read, read. Typically, the dead ones are better than the ones that are still alive. Read, <laughs> read those. Just intentionally dwell on people that stretch you. You need to be stretched, not coddled. This is why there's a grace for some relationships to have necessary endings because some of you are hanging around people that just can't take you anywhere. Um, The other practical step, I should have written these down. Um, If you think on a level of like a tiny maggot, just repent. That's pretty deep. (laughs) Just repent. Uh, We're not going to have prayer service come to the altar. Uh, if you, well, here's how we're going to do it. If this is just something that you, you need an overhaul, um, and if this is you and you're making a decision to stop thinking average and start thinking like the Father, just stand up where you are. I don't want it to be everybody, but if this is you, I'm going to speak a blessing over you, and then we're going to close today. You can change your life in one moment. It typically starts with a confession of, okay, I'm not sure I know what happened at Calvary. I need to figure out who I am in Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, may you be overwhelmed in this season of your life learning who you are. Not just who he is, but who you are. You are hardwired from heaven to do great things. So don't be good. Go in peace. God bless.